one of the first times I really met Billy. He was uh, running through the hotel in Eskilstuna with a fire extinguisher, and, which was going off, and, and a carpet under his, under his arm. Telling me total lies. I can remember you one day telling me that I was, I think I was off gate two at Wolverhampton. Oh, you, you, you never lose a race off gate two. They always win it. I went and I think I went and won the race. But I look back later. Three last in the last few meetings off gate two. Welcome to Speedway Socials Super Seven. In association with Speedway Social, welcome along to Super 7. My name's John McGilvery. Yeah, and I'm Liam Rudden. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be joined by some of the biggest names in the world of Speedway who'll be sharing with us their Super 7, their dream team. I'll hand you back to John. He'll do the honours. John. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, welcome along to David Howe. David, it's great to have you along. Uh, I have you listed here as a 2005 Scottish Open winner, an Elite League winner with Peterborough Panthers, a British under-21 champion, and of course, an, um, rode in the Speedway Grand Prix in 2003 and 2007. It's been some career. Uh, firstly, how are you? I'm very well, yeah. Can't complain. Life's plodding along, yeah. Um, a bit different after, after Speedway finished, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay. And talk us through your career, David, some of the highs and some of the lows um, that you had through your Speedway career. Uh, you mentioned a lot of them there. You know, I was lucky enough to win a Premier League title with Peterborough as well, uh, and an Amateur League title, and an Elite League title with Wolverhampton. Um, you know, yeah. Welsh Open, things like that, they were fantastic to win. For those, probably the fact that I wasn't quite good enough. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't think no, that's I, the truth, David. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't complain, you know, it was uh, not, a, not a bad run. Are you missing anything about it, David? No, no, I don't think so. Because when I had my injury and I, and I packed up before, um, I did. Where this time I did it on my own terms and I had some two years at Berwick, which were fantastic. And then I had a year where I was full-time mechanic for Nikolai so I had a like a white I was still involved but I didn't have to pay for things or get hurt anymore so um <laughs> I had a kind of a wind down year as well so it's it, so it now yeah, I'm, I'm good wow and we're going to talk to you um about your all-time one to seven so seven riders who have directly um affected you you've been involved with you perhaps ridden beside some of them if not all of them um so we'll start with your your number one. Um, when I saw it at the top of the list, it didn't surprise me um, at all. But I'll let you introduce them. My number one would be, has to be for me, is Tony Rickardson. Uh, it's a, just a no-brainer for me. Yeah. You, ridden, you said you'd ridden with Tony for a month um, at Oxford. The guy was, was a class above for, for most, if not all, of his career. What, what did he bring to you in that month? Uh, you could, you could say. I mean, obviously, it was his. He retired halfway through that year, but you could just the professionalism, the way he approached things, and they say you shouldn't meet your heroes. And I'm, but I'm glad I really did with Tony because he was 
the nice, funny guy until seven o'clock. And you could just see he flicked a switch and became the racer, Tony. But, uh, you know, um, I've, Tony's been my hero since I, since I was young. I mean, I liked Tony before it was cool to like Tony. Um, he is one of my, I think he was my first, one of my first rides on a speedway bike. And I had a problem, didn't run. And I didn't know, know who he was. So it'd be like 91, 92 winter, something like that. And all I can remember was his leathers. And he came up and he made a fuss of me. I think Ross Bagana were touring in, in, in the UK at the start of the year. And I was just, oh, who's this guy who's just, you know. And, uh, and then from then on, I always watched him. And I, I, okay, I, I kind of like the 93 to 95 version of Tony, the best friend. He was probably a little bit looser than he was in his later, <laughs> later <laughs> career. Uh, you go, we go to Denmark for your number two. Um, and again, we'll let you introduce them. Um, why this rider and, and what is it about him that you think fits well into that number two slot? Um, my number two would be Jan Andersen. Um, he was, I rode with him in uh, 98 and 99 at Peterborough. And also I spent I think, two or three seasons the next with him in Sweden. He um, was very influential to me in that period of time. He got me my first Swedish team spot. Um, typical Danish, you know, very professional. Uh, taught me a lot. Probably looking back now, he probably could have taught me more because you know maybe wasn't as open to information as I could have been. But um, you know, we became firm friends in that period. You know, I just stayed at his house and we used to fly to Sweden together. It's uh, yeah, it's a lovely guy, and I still keep in touch with him now. David, how important is the influence that these riders have on you as a young rider coming into the sport, their experience? I mean, how important is that to you as a rider and to your own development? Oh, definite. You know, um, I've always had pride in the way I present my equipment. And certainly Jan had a, a big say in that, taught me you know, how to work on bikes and how to wash bikes properly, you know. When I was 16, 17, I probably wasn't up, my, my, up to the standard I should have been. But, uh, you know, looking back, I, I think I learned more in later years, looking back at what they taught me back when I was young, you know, when I was a little bit older and I could have, oh, yeah, yeah, Jan told me to do this or they. So, yeah, a massive help to me. I think that could be said about any walk of life, though. You, when we're younger, we perhaps don't listen to those that know much more than us, do we? <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's your number three, you spoke about experience here. Uh, your number three has it in absolute spades. Um, tell us who you've picked at number three. Um, my number three, if I can remember, I'm actually looking for the list, you've, so you've, you've, you've beat me now. Um, I've got Peter Carlson, David. That's, <laughs> so, yeah, again, PK, um, the same kind of mould as Jan. When I went to, I mean, I rode with him at Peterborough as well, uh, but we both had the same engine tuner, so I knew him a little bit. But when I went to Wolverhampton, he was a massive help to me, not just in England, but anywhere I raced. If I raced against him in Sweden, uh, I can remember a world championship um, meeting. I'd go up to him, hey, Pete, because I went through a stage where I didn't practice because I didn't like to, I felt my bikes were set up better at home than um having to to worry about working them after practice i went up to pete oh pete what gear you're running and he just yeah told me you know he was just an honest guy 
and um, you know, I, I, I loved being in. Oh, yeah, in 2007, we were at one and two together at Wolves all year, and it was brilliant to ride with, hard as nails. You know, you don't don't ever be fooled by PK's looks. Um, but uh, yeah, great guy as well. Peter was a, a, an 89 and 91 Swedish champion, a three-time World Cup winner. He rode in the GPs um, through the late 90s into the turn of the century and also an, an elite league winner as well. Does riding alongside someone like that give you the hunger? You know, a guy who's been there, he's done it, he's won titles, you know, does that mean, you know, if I listen to him, if he tells me, I can go and do what he's doing. Yeah, and it, you, you couldn't, like in that period at, at Wolves, you couldn't help but learn off those guys. You know, I was blessed that I got PK riding at number five. I was at number two at that time. And I got Michael, was Carlson, Michael Max at number one. Mm. You, you just, you, you can't help but learn off these guys. And when you watch Pete ride, he's so technical and gifted. Yeah, it was uh, certainly taught me how to to learn that uh, the Ben 2 will uh, move at Wolves, you know, and uh, I watched Pete do that. I thought, right, that's what I've got to be doing. And I don't think I drifted off that line much all the time I was there. That inside line worked every time, didn't it? <laughs> like t pressing the turbo button. When, I don't think this is a, as good now. Tracks changed, but uh, back then, if you got it right, oh, it was unreal. It got quite a, quite a lot grippier. So it was, right. I think, but back then it was fairly slick. But then if you got, like, Terry, he was always smooth and well prepared. And uh, if you got on it, it was it was un unreal. You know, Doc genu generally has quite grippy tracks, Edinburgh and, and yeah. Wolves there. So, uh, yes. David, whenever I think of an American rider, I always think of showmen. All the American riders that I can think of tend to be showmen in their own rights. So they've got that, that extra bit of pizzazz they bring with them. Um, tell us about your number four. Was he like that? Well, I think every team needs a Billy Janeiro. Um, <laughs> I was, um, back then, the Wolves Coventry rivalry was fearsome. And both myself and Billy were probably at number two. So we, we raced against each other, you know, a couple of times the meeting. And we would knock absolute lumps out of each other, take it to the limit. But it was always where it stopped. Um, I also spent a few years racing with Billy in in Eskilstuna, and I've never never been on track with anybody who can team ride like Billy could. You could win a race, he could, you could get a five one, and the race time could be ten seconds slower than any other heat. He just would be glued to you, and um, just an, <laughs> I mean, you, you, we couldn't tell some of the stories I've seen. What Billy's done. <laughs> um, I think we've heard most of them anyway, yeah, David. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. The, one of the first times I really met Billy was uh, running through the hotel in Eskilstuna with a fire extinguisher, and, which was going off, and, and a carpet under his, under his arm. And uh, next morning, he turned up to the airport just in his boxer shorts because he, all his clothes were wet from the fire extinguisher fight he had with somebody. And uh, it was a brand new hotel as well. So that didn't go down too well. There were some great characters, weren't there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, it, it, well, he lived in Leicester. So, you know, um, he was only 10 minutes from me. So he used to go around and see him. And same Billy, never changed at the track at home. Same. Yeah, I mean, remember being at Coventry the year they won the league. Um, I think it was 2005, I want to say. Um, and he was in the team with Rory Schlein 
and uh, I remember the after parties there, and yeah, that boy could party, um, <laughs> and he, he knew how to light up a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he sure did, and, and probably to the detriment of his of his British career, really, he could have been uh, you know, a lot better, but then he wouldn't have been Billy, so. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, every, every team needs a Billy. <laughs> well, you're about to have two, because you've stayed uh, stateside for your number five, um, another world champion. Tell us who this one is. Uh, number five would be Billy Hamill. Um, again, a, a rider. I, I, I did ride with him later on in his career in Wolverhampton and in uh, in Sweden. But he had a. I was a fan of Billy when I was a kid. Um, again, the typical American approach. Yeah, you know, back then his leathers were. The, the white and the pink, and he had the Troy Lee design eyeball down the side of his uh, leather, leathers, as they were then. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, I, I liked his style of riding. He'd never give up and all out attack. And yeah, then obviously he went on to, to do great things in 96. But uh, yeah, again, another, another great guy as well. Uh, one week, Liam, where we have the Nightmare Seven, and we ask a rider to name the oh. Seven Riders. Don't come near the pitch, please. <laughs> okay, David, David, can you start thinking about that for next time? <laughs> I've, got, I've got three straight. <laughs> That's the Halloween special. Yeah. Um, we're back to Sweden, your third Swede um, in your one to seven. Um, who finishes off the team then? Um, my final rider is another former captain of mine would be Magnus Carlsen. Um, I was lucky to spend a few years with him at, at Scunthorpe. Um, brilliant rider, very skillful, but a, a, a fantastic guy as well. You know, um, we were we had a good one and five relationship at Scunthorpe. It can be quite difficult when you're both chasing the number one spot sometimes to remain to remain perfectly good friends um, because you're all trying to. Get that extra when when your averages are so close. You, know, you you want one more point than him to. You know, I want to be number one, but it was never like that with myself and Magnus. We both just you know pushed each other on, and you know if I finished behind him in thirteen or he you know busting in fifteen and things like that, it didn't matter. You know we were just we both wanted to be number one, but it didn't really matter if you know as long as we we, we both said we don't care as, as long as we got nine, nine plus averages. We're, we're, we're all right. That was, your that was your seven riders, but your Super 7 has a number eight as well. So the number eight isn't a rider, but it's probably the most important person in the team. I would say so. Um, he, I was very lucky to have Pete Adams as my team manager at Wolverhampton. Um, incredibly astute team manager. Knows how to work his riders a bit like how I said Kev was, you know, knowing his team. Pete was the same. Um, I could be having a nightmare meeting and he'd, and he'd just know the, the words to, to whisper to me as I was pushing off for my fourth ride and I can go and could go and win it. Yeah, where um, other team managers may shout or this, he just knew, knew, knew what to say and his, his record speaks for itself, you know, from you know, the, the, the Cradley and commentary teams of the uh, early 80s all the way to the, all his time at Wolverhampton. 
I take it a good team manager, they have to be able to encourage you like that and they have to know what to say to you to get the best out of you. Do they also have to know when to be hard with you and to give you the, the you know, the kick up the backside? Oh yeah, he was yeah, definitely. Um I think we got a bal- they got a balance at Wolverhampton as well, because Pete was the team manager, but Chris was the boss. And you know, I I never I always felt like when you went to see Chris in his office, it was like going to the headmaster's office, you know. So okay. I think Pete was kind of the team. It was Chris's team until 7.30 and then it was Pete's. Um, so mm-hmm. he, I say he just knew. He knew with me, if you shout at me, I'd just either withdraw or maybe shout back. Um, it doesn't get the best out of everybody. So he knew with mm-hmm. me, just, I'd be tell, telling me total lies. I can remember him one day telling me that I was, I think I was off gate two at Wolverhampton. Oh, you, you, you never lose a race off gate two. They always win it. I went and won, I think I went and won the race, but I look back later. Three last in the last few meetings I've got to. They just don't say at the right time. I'm just going to say it's a very cosmopolitan um, one to seven. You've picked David uh, two Australians, three Swedes, an Aussie, and a Dane. Um, I mean, we're not looking for any conspiracy theories here or anything like that, but um, or any scandal, maybe. But. There's no Englishmen uh, or British guys in the team. Um, is there a reason for that, or are these just guys that you felt were, were most influential? I just felt they, they, there is no conspiracy. Chris Louis came very, very close to being in it. Uh, he was a rider that, in, in my younger years, I know you, you, you were either a Chris or a Mark fan, really, mm-hmm. in that period. But I, I just felt Chris was quite technical and neat and. Uh, so he, he, he was close, but it's just, again, riders who have ridden with over my career have left, a, left, left, you know, or have left a mark on me. Unfortunately, not many Brits have done that. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty really confident you've a different way. <laughs> so. David, you did, you did say to us that you'd picked riders that you'd either admired as a fan or you'd ridden with or, you know, had, had influence in your career. Are there any riders that you never got to ride with that you would have liked to ride with? Are there any of the, the old uh, legends that you would have loved to have spent some time with? Um, yeah. Um, Pennell, another, well, there's another American. I'd, have, uh, I'd, I'd love to have seen him live uh, and probably Eric Gunderson as well. Um, we're lucky to have some a few chats with Eric a few years ago in Poland, and uh, lovely guy, and you know, telling me some of his racing stories. It was it was I was I was a, a little boy fan again, you know, listening to Eric. Um, but I was the same with when I raced with Tony. I remember I remember I was at, the first time I raced Tony uh, would be '99, and he must have beat me by half a lap. Well, that you've never seen anybody go so fast after a race just to catch him up and shake his hand because I've been on track with him. <laughs> yeah, and then I was sitting at pool one, maybe a year or so late, maybe that year or the next year, and I'm on gate one, and Tony's off gate two, and I'm sitting on my footrest, I'm all ready to go, and I look across and, oh, look at, look at Tony's bikes, aren't they beautiful? And I can't beat him. He's, yeah, and so <laughs> I am... Not that I would have beaten around Paul anyway, but I'm done for now, you know. So I was totally fangirling him. <laughs> I'm looking at your one to seven there, David. We didn't ask you this when we asked you to put it together, but if you had to pick a captain out of that one to seven, who would it be? Be a tough one between 
Jan and Kev, but Kev would tip it. Okay. And is that from your from the experience you spoke about earlier with him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was I mean, he was the guy I've raced with most recently, so the memory's probably still fresh. Jan was great, but um not quite as diplomatic as Kev. He could uh, lose his lose his temper a little bit. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Kev. I'm going to throw one more at you that I've just thought, which we didn't ask you in advance. So let's see how you do with this one. Um, your team, you're the team manager. It's heat 15. It's a last heat decider. And you've got to pick the two riders from your team to go out there. And you can have any two of the seven. Uh, is, this, is this when they're at the best? Their era? Yeah. I'll go with... Yeah. Uh, I'll go with Tony in red and Billy in blue. Billy Hamill. I'm looking at that going Tony and Peter Carlson, but then I've never ridden a speedway bike, David, and I know nothing about it. So <laughs> I'm just thinking 1996 Billy would have yeah. the edge over a, a Carlson at his peak. That is, a, that is a very, very interesting one to seven and uh, a very interesting reasons behind uh, behind all of them. We'll do a uh, quick fire round, Liam. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've, got, we've got 10 questions here for you, David. Um, we're going to see, we'll ask everybody the same 10 questions and we'll see who can answer them the quickest. Um, and some of them are more serious than others, but I don't think any of them are very serious, maybe one or two. But I'll, I'll start you off with number one. When was the last time you were on a speedway bike? Uh, the board in Annapolis at Berwick in 2018. Uh, uh, lucky or favourite helmet cover? Colour? Uh, red. Okay, your favourite gate number? Your favourite gate to go out one. number two, maybe? One. Gate one. Tear coffee? Tea. Okay, if you weren't a speedway rider, what would you have been? Probably would have joined the army. Um, okay. Favourite pastime or hobby? Playing around and riding any motorbikes. <laughs> okay, do you have a favourite film? Uh, probably Anchorman. Good choice. Uh, race suit or a race jacket? Race jacket. Race jacket. Race jacket over uh, a headlast. <laughs> 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 I will not ask you to do it in the scud, David. It's fine. <laughs> uh, what would you say is the worst thing about Speedway? Uh... Probably not having enough money, breaking bones, and being constantly tired. <laughs> and the best thing about Speedway? The, the people you get to meet, the places you get to go, um, and yeah, the, the memories. And winning, occasionally. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much, David. That was very interesting. Is there any, we spoke about your career highlights. Um, is there one in there that stands out above the rest of them? Um, not, not really. I mean, I'm, I was never a massive fan of individual meeting uh, competitions and stuff. I much preferred league racing. Uh, probably explains why I didn't win more. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, so when I look back, I, I prefer, I like thinking of, you know, I remember scoring 18 at Newcastle one day. That meant more to me probably than winning an, an open meeting 
Um, so yeah, I just had, I, I was, I had a, like I say, a decent career. I was blessed. I managed to, to, to do well in the teams. So um, nothing really stands out. I mean, it's easy to say riding at Cardiff because every rider wants to ride at Cardiff and I was, I was lucky to do it twice. So if you, you know, if you had to hold a gun to me, I'd probably say Cardiff. It's unsurprising, really. I think that would be the pinnacle of a lot of riders' um, careers to ride, to ride at Millennium Stadium in the British Grand Prix. Um, David, it's been, it's been fascinating chatting to you. Thank you very much for giving us an insight into your Super 7. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll be back um, shortly with another rider. We'll find out his Super 7. So from Liam and myself, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, David. Super 7 was presented by John McGilvery and Liam Rudden and produced by Matthew Hart for Speedway Social.